It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Riggs, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. All right, well, welcome in and welcome back to another episode of the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. I say another, even though you may have forgotten since it's been just a minute since we did this Uh what did we say? I'm guilty as charged. It, it, two weeks turned into a little bit. Maybe a couple of kids were had in the process, not to to get too personal. So, uh, but we're back nonetheless. How's everybody feeling? Doing well. Yeah, I was going to say two thirds of the podcast had a significant life altering improvement decision. You know, things happening. So, I think our little hiatus was is understandable to say the least. Improvement decisions. Is that, is that yeah. what we had, Braden? Home improvement, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the one having kids, so I can't speak to it. But Tim the tool man. <laughs> what were you going to say, Braden? No, I just was going to preface to our listeners that if you don't hear my cackle that you all love, it's because where I am recording is a wall away from a sleeping infant child. So I have to control myself. The cackle will get throat chopped if you wake up the baby. <laughs> If you hear in the background anything else, it's just probably my child screaming. So, uh, Huff, what will we hear in your background? Yikes, shots fired. <laughs> well, I was going to say, even, not even I was, a dog barking. Just I, I was going to say up. gunshots, but uh, I, I didn't want to alarm the listeners. <laughs> Where do you think that I live? We've gone off the rails and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> uh, Salt Lake. All right. Well, moving on to. Uh, what we're talking about today. What are we talking about? Uh, we're going to do a little bit of throwback as well as some um, look forward to the future. So i uh, going to have a little bit of fun uh, with last season being our first uh, episodes and our first season. Uh, we got a lot of things that we felt like we did well, but then there's some times where you just got to laugh at yourself a little bit and learn from your mistakes. So uh, we're just simply going to call this a little bit of a what we learned segment and how that's going to look is get some sound bites that you'll hear from uh, 2022 Jonathan, Braden, Alex, and was that 2022? Yeah, 2022. Uh, and we're going to talk about how we're not going to make that mistake or uh, how we're going to look at those similar situations um, and players moving forward. So, I mean, really, without further ado, guys, we'll we'll drop the first uh, soundbite here. So let's go ahead and take a listen. You've got Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman. Who are you taking of those three? Alex, of those three, who do you want this season? Uh, in those three, I don't know if they all go around the same round, but I usually take Elijah Moore out of those three. Braden? In a vacuum, meaning regardless of where they're being drafted, I want Bateman. And I'm going to take Amon Ross St. Brown over all three of those. Uh, wasn't an option. We need like a bet or something. We need a payout. See who wins that. Track that over the year. There's, I've got to be a truther of something, right? I, I stand firm no matter how many times I get burned. I probably, I probably take. I'll take Devonte Smith. Leave it. Leave it a, a trio there. I really like his prospect with what I think the Eagles are going to be believing Jalen Hurts. So, <laughs> some fun stuff there. Uh, what a yeah. What what was kind of our takes on on those people there? I guess Braden, we can start with you with uh, Rashad Bateman. I mean, woof, gosh, I it was injury. You got yeah, injury. Bailed it was out. yeah. At least I can say it was injury. I don't know. I don't know who <laughs> would have thought Elijah Moore, but. <laughs> Should not be on a podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> We're gonna get to your moment here in a little bit, Alex. I'm sure of it. No, I I'm not out on Bateman this year. You know, I I think the injury stuff is tough. You know, like 
this year in the preseason, but also at the same time, he's not being drafted super high. And so I don't mind taking a shot late this year because I mean, the weeks he did play last year were really good. Like he, he looked good. Lamar's metrics from like throughout his entire career was the best with him throwing. And so uh, there were glimmers of hope. Um, you know, I think that Zay flowers is interesting. I'm not interested in Odell at all. Really. I think that I think he's done. I really do. But you know, Bateman or flowers is one of them is going to emerge on the scene and I don't mind taking a shot on Bateman still. And so I, I don't mind it. Alex, uh, are you going to defend yourself here or just kind of uh, give your give yourself some some advice for this year? No, I think that's – I mean, it's not fun to hear back. Uh, I will – let me comment real quick, Crow. I don't disagree with you. I think Bateman, he looked really good when he was healthy. Um, I We are not all in a guillotine league, you know, and I just took Odell Beckham Jr. ahead of those guys, but um, for different reasons because we have to win in two weeks. But I really like Bateman this year. I, th- I think he was still on pace. I mean, obviously, looking back, Alvin Ra was the clear pick, and Devonta Smith was the clear number two right behind him. The case for Elijah Moore, there's not really much to say. I mean, at the time, we were all pretty high on him. The yeah. entire community also was. He was being drafted in the same rounds. He had an outstanding end to his rookie year with really bad quarterback play. So I think the argument for him now is similar to Crow, what you're saying, that Bateman fell so far. Elijah Moore is just so far down on the boards now, and he moved over to the Cleveland Browns. He's now the number two option. He has apparently been building great rapport with Sean Watson. He's had a great he had a great rookie year. Literally, you can kind of just almost chalk this, his sophomore year up to a bust, which from a fantasy analyst perspective, those kind of years that are really kind of outlier that they just don't play and all that stuff happens, that's impossible to predict. So I still will take the take the L for sure, but I mean Going into this next year at his draft price, I still like him. Um, I think he's – I mean, if Deshaun Watson is 70% of what we know Deshaun Watson to be, he's going to be able to support Amari Cooper plus David Njoku plus another wide receiver. And I think Elijah Moore is probably that guy, considering they paid up for him and don't have a ton behind him that's, like, noteworthy. So I don't love the take last year, but, yeah, it is what it is. We talked about this. Like, I told Crow this. ML, it's kind of like MLB batting percentages, like – as a fantasy analyst, like if you're right, like if you're batting 300, three, yeah, three out of 10, yeah, it's like you're you're doing well, so I'll take it. I mean, yeah. go ahead, well, well, Jonathan, I want to turn the question around to you because you know, like whenever we asked this question last year, Alex answered Elijah Moore based on he had great rapport with bad quarterback play and bad coaching staff. I answered Bateman because he had the clearest path to be an alpha. And he was a first round draft capital with a great quarterback. This was pre Jalen Hurts breakout. And this was Jared Goff on the Lions. So why did you choose Devonta Smith and also Amon Ra? Yeah, I was actually going to say that uh, Amon Ra was, like I said, kind of a truther pick. It was it was a hopeful pick. I think that there was some buzz out of camp from him of just really fitting the Dan Campbell mold. And so there was a hope that he would he would get some chances. And it was just a lot of open opportunity Um, stayed healthy. And he had a lot of open opportunity, which Rashad Bateman, open opportunity, got hurt. Um, So 
there's a little bit of that. As far as Devontae Smith goes, I do think Jalen Hurts hadn't emerged yet, but we were all talking about the arrival of A.J. Brown as well as um, just him taking that step forward and the possibility of him being in that quarterback one conversation. And so I think when you look at both Amon Ra and Jalen, or excuse me, Devontae Smith, what ended up happening, um, and it took a myriad of things to go right, but what ended up happening was their quarterback play was sustainable throughout the season. Um, obviously, Jared Goff started off a little bit slow, but finished the season really hot. Um, and I mean, Amon Ra was target hog. So, um, just kind of looking at, at the, the full situation there, I would say Amon Ra was a little bit lucky, but Devonte Smith from that change of wide receiver to the ascending quarterback play, and then a good offensive line to, to give some time there. And of course he stayed healthy. Um, I think those were a lot of the reasons where that Devonte Smith take was, was a little bit accurate. Um, but you just, you just never know. So, I mean, turning that question then back around to all of us looking forward to the 2023 season. Uh, a couple of second-year wide receivers here, Dotson, London, Christian Watson, George Pickens, Traylon Burks. Um, how are we looking at those situations maybe differently? And uh, who are some people that, that stands out? Uh, Alex, we can start with you. Yeah, I think the the main one for me is uh, Jahan Dotson of the Washington Commanders with Sam Howell coming in. Dotson had a really good rookie year before he got injured. He's the number two behind uh, Terry McLaurin. We like Terry McLaurin a lot. Um but Jahan Dotson really proved, A, he's a first-round NFL pick, right? So the draft capital is there. The athletic profile is there. He really popped his rookie year. So I'm sounding kind of like an Elijah Moore truther again. But I think he's somebody that's interesting to monitor, but he's also being drafted a little bit later in draft. So I think he's an interesting one for me. Uh, there's other names, but I'll let Crow go next here. Uh I love buying in on second year wide receivers. And so I think that all of these guys will probably, you know, I think they'll probably return value at where they're being drafted. Um, I think the biggest ceiling is probably Christian Watson. And, you know, a lot of that hinges on what Jordan love is, but he just was a freak. I mean, he really was a freak and I don't, I don't think that he's going to score a touchdown or two a game, but, he has the capability to, and you know, he, he's looked more dominant than Dobbs. He, you know, they have rookie tight ends. I I just, I think Christian Watson has that ability to just take the next step forward. Yeah. It's really interesting looking at those, uh, wide receivers because Dotson London and Pickens, like you had mentioned, uh, Alex all have second year quarterbacks and then Christian Watson first year starter, and Traylon Burks is really the only one that has a sustainable, if you call Ryan Tannehill that, uh, for his quarterback. And so if you're looking at a similar take of maybe what I looked at and you're looking at quarterback sustainability, there's not a whole lot to go off of there. So you've kind of, like you said, Braden, you got to look at it from a talent metric, uh, talent metrics and an opportunity metric. And so I think Drake London for me is going to have a lot of opportunity, um, and then, like you said, Christian Watson being really nobody else in that uh, in that wide receiver room has shown much, and they didn't really draft a wide receiver. So that's kind of two things I'm looking at. Well, and, and just to – if anyone's listening right now who cares about second-year wide receivers like I do, you're probably thinking, but what about Garrett Wilson? And what about Chris Olave? It's They're already leveled up. They're already in a different tier, and they're not worthy of this. We're not worthy to bring them up in this conversation. So – uh, the last thing I'll say is 
I I'm just saying it right now. I think Burks scores more fantasy points this year than DeAndre Hopkins on the Titans. Just gonna say it. Will Malik Willis start by week eight? Look, or... look. I don't want to talk about Malik Willis because that was last year, and he's not in our show doc. So we, you're right. We didn't include that. <laughs> I had to take and a jab. And I think that Dotson and Terry McLaurin. If Dotson does not surpass Terry McLaurin, it will be neck and neck. And I think Dotson will be a return on value. Yeah, based on where he's being drafted. Yep. If not completely surpassed Terry McLaurin yeah. and be the alpha there. Alex, I think you're maybe the first one to jump on this, but the more and more we talk about it, are we calling them the commanders? Are they still the commanders? I can't keep track anymore. Uh, Sam Howell and Jahan Dotson. Those are really interesting names to watch. Um, I think that uh, Sam Howell is going to surprise some people this year. I'm not saying he's going to be extremely fantasy relevant, but Maybe as a streamer or in deeper leagues, super flex leagues. I know you just picked him up in that guillotine league, Alex. And so, and then Jahan Dotson showed flashes of really, really strong play and really an end zone, uh, red zone target. So interesting, interesting takes there. Uh, well, let's uh, roll our next take. And uh, do we have to? Do we do we have to do this one? This is where Alex gets to gloat a little bit because uh, um, Brandon and I uh, took Ugh. a. I don't even know what you call it. What's the opposite of victory lap? Like falling as soon as you start the race, the, uh, the walk of shame. I yeah, think that's, that's it. <laughs> not the that's, that's not sports. That's not sports. <laughs> roll it. But, roll but it, everyone roll knows it, what I meant. It. I see Russell Wilson as a great value and potentially finishing again. This will be, I think the last time he does it in his career, maybe a bold take, but if he's going to do quarterback one again, I think it's going to be this year. I, uh, I'm I'm very much on Russell Wilson too. I he's going to be healthy. He's in a really friendly offense for this, and it's like, gosh, if he can be a if he can be a QB one, like not the QB one, but can be a QB one in a in a notoriously run heavy offense, how much more can he be a QB one in an offense that is giving him the reins and letting him? do whatever he wants so all right so uh there's uh something i don't even know alex we'll let you start on this how did you avoid getting getting left with the bag on russell wilson i i think i remember that you were a little bit on in on him but maybe not as vocal about it as Braden and i so i actually started in very hot on the denver offseason so i was really in on russell wilson i was really in on jerry judy quilton sutton the thing for me, and we'll talk about this another in podcast down the road, it, the draft price just got so inflated that we we're basically just trading off of like value that unexpected or unrealized value. And so once that unrealized value got so high, I remember there was a moment, probably like two weeks before this podcast, where I just started selling all my Broncos pieces because I was like, I don't know if these actually people are going to be good, but I know I can get value that I know for players that are in offenses that I'm already aware of with quarterbacks, they already have rapport with, with coaches, they already know. And so it was just trading unrealized for realized value at that point. Um, It was also luck. I mean, I, it, I was in on, you know, the dolphins a year before they hit, I was out on them last year and they popped last year. So it's kind of the name of the game, but it just got to the point where I think we're doing this with a couple of teams. Like I said, we'll talk about this in other podcasts, but like when the unrealized value gets so outrageous that they have to perform at that ceiling, 
that's when I start to sell for, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. And I think the the biggest thing about Russ was, I don't think we were just wrong about Russ. It's not like there were other Broncos pieces that you were thrilled to have, or I think I even made a comment. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. About the defense being good <laughs> that, I mean, they were in some low scoring games, but I don't know if that was a, a, the defense being good or just both teams being bad in those cases. Well, and the hard part is I think the community was overall right on the Broncos. It was just without Nathaniel Hackett. Cause you watch, you look at the game splits without Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson's good. Jerry Judy's good. Their offense is good. Like things are happening. It was just the Nathaniel Hackett piece, which is really hard to predict. It was very uh, Adam Gase-like going to your Miami Dolphins callback. Um, Brayden, do you have any just kind of thoughts on Russell Wilson and uh, that soundbite there? Yeah, this is probably the take, you know, as, as I look back, you know, I try to make notes every year on like players I'm in on, players I'm out on. And this is just the one that kind of stumps me the most of like, this time last year, I think the answer was unanimously that Russell Wilson would be a Hall of Famer. And, you know, we always saw him as a top five talent in the league. And, you know, like Adam Gase was an awful coach, but as bad of a coach he was, like Peyton Manning still prevailed. You know, like Peyton Manning did fine with him whenever he was his coach. And so I don't know what to think about Russ, you know, I mean, he was the number one betted. He was the number one bet MVP candidate last year in all of Vegas. He was the number one bet MVP candidate. And so we got it wrong. Fantasy got it wrong. But like millions of people got it wrong, like millions of people who placed these bets like sports books. And so I don't understand. And, you know, like that leads us into conversations about like good quarterbacks who are joining new teams this year. And so, you know, like, I don't know what to do with Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see it play out. I'm super pumped for hard knocks. To be honest, I think his ADP is low this year, partly because of what happened to Russell Wilson last year. Like, I think people are just really hesitant to, to place a bet on a good quarterback that's changing scenery. So I don't know what to do with it, but man, were we wrong? Yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, Aaron Rodgers and and Alex. I'll just tee this up for you because I think this is where you're going. But uh, so the other two that kind of really come to mind are uh, Derek Carr and Jimmy G, and both of them have pretty key pieces in those areas as well. So uh, Alex, you can kind of continue the conversation, maybe uh, loop those guys into it as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with the Saints is that like Derek Carr is is not desirably drafted, at least right now. Um, we like Olave. We kind of think he's quarterback proof. And then the running back situation is so ambiguous. You're kind of taking your shot when you can, right? Jimmy G with the Josh Jacobs situation, we're kind of in contract situations. We're not sure. Devontae Adams might be undervalued. He might be wildly overvalued because of the same fallacy that we could be making the mistake on. Um, although he has proven to be significantly better of a receiver than Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton were, right? And so, He's been able to prove that he can be elite regardless, but maybe that's a conversation too. I think the Aaron Rodgers New York Jets comp is really interesting though, because Robert Saul is there. He's a defensive minded coach. Granted, the thing about the Broncos that we don't talk about enough is that Javante Williams got injured and that really threw a wrench in the offense and how they wanted to do it. They were, they were very run first 
passed second, but then that's kind of Russell Wilson's MO also. And so then Russell Wilson kind of had to improvise and be that guy. Aaron Rodgers can do that. He's got arguably better weapons, but he also has one elite receiver. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. I think I'm in on the Jets, but to the point where their unrealized value becomes more than what we know and I can get realized value for that, that's where I start to break. So like I like Garrett Wilson, but like I'm not at the point where I'm taking over CeeDee Lamb or Amon Ross St. Brown just because I know what those guys are. I could be wrong on that, but I'm going to miss small, but we just don't quite know yet, right? Yeah, and I think uh, you make a great point just kind of about uh, those pieces. And really the key thing there is Garrett Wilson had success with a what we call lesser quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, did, so did Elijah Moore. That's fair. That's <laughs> that's fair. I think we'd all agree that it's probably a little bit different talent profile uh, from what sure. we've seen so far. Um, but Alave also lesser quarterback than probably Derek Carr. Um, Adams probably gets a little bit of a downgrade, but we know who Devontae Adams is. So um, the, the thing that was really, I think the big point for me last year is everybody was projecting Russ as something otherworldly. We dropped the name. I know I dropped the 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 moniker of QB one, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, no one's expecting that Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, I don't even know top 12 if a lot of people are, are thinking that. So, um, but it does improve the wide receiver situation. So I think in this case, we're looking more at how does it, how does it affect those, those surrounding pieces. And and one name we hadn't talked about yet was Brees Hall. So I don't know, Braden, you've, you've been an owner of him in a couple leagues. So just kind of your take on how things might affect this year and, and what expectations can be. You know, I, th- I think for the Jets, I think the Jets plan is we're just going to we're going to do enough offensively to win. I think that their defense takes the driver's seat. And, you know, I, I think Rodgers is just going to do what he needs to win. And so I think Wilson's elite and he's going to get it done. I think that Brees Hall's elite and he's going to get it done. But I don't I don't see a world where Brees Hall is getting, you know, 30 touches a game like a like a McCaffrey of old or a Gurley of old, I, I it just kind of, you know, I, I don't see this being like a Tom Brady box offense. Like I, I don't see this being like a setting records for how many completions are happening. You know, like I, I just, I don't see a world where, you know, if they roll into Kansas city, they're going to try to keep pace with Mahomes. I think that they're going to have long drives and I think that they're going to be efficient. I think they're going to score. I think that, they're going to be efficient in the red zone. I think they're going to have, you know, consistent drives, but um, I, I don't see like a barn burning offense, but I could be wrong. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about this and then Alex, if you have any closing thoughts before we move on, but uh, you did mention Alex that Nathaniel Hackett might've been a key piece to Russell Wilson's uh, issues. And some of his splits were a lot better without him. Nathaniel Hackett is now the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. And so I know he has rapport with Aaron Rodgers, but and Aaron Rodgers obviously doesn't always listen to his coaches, but it is interesting just kind of as a something to think about if you're looking for tiebreakers when you're looking to to make these picks. Uh, definitely something to consider. Like you said with Garrett Wilson, when you're separating those those early, early pieces. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because especially like Aaron Rodgers won the MVP with Nathaniel Hackett. So it he has, you know, a reputation, but I, it's hard. I think with the Jets, and maybe this is where we all probably land, is like we all like Garrett Wilson at his cost. I mean, like Brees Hall at his cost. And I think Aaron Rodgers is a 
similarly to Russell Wilson, a safe flyer at quarterback if you're going to wait because it's these experienced guys that can really sling it. If they throw for 4,500 yards, you get a steal. If they don't, you're not really hurting. I think this one's a little different than the Broncos situation just because there's only really two guys we're looking at. I feel like with the Broncos last year, we were high on – it was who's going to be better? You know, Jerry Judy, Quillen Sutton – Right. We had Alberto in there. We had we were high on Javante Williams. Javante Williams was like a second round pick last year. I mean, we were it was like all in on the Broncos. And so there was a lot of room for error. I think with the Jets barring injury at cost, we all kind of like them. I don't think we're as over like inflated on them, maybe them because of hype that we should be. At least that's my maybe my opinion, but I could be wrong on that if y'all are higher. No, as you said, aim small, miss small, I think was the uh, saying that you were bringing to light earlier. So, well, we'll head to the last uh, last soundbite here and uh, see what's in store for us. So here we go. I actually think you can drop most bears outside of Montgomery and Kill Herbert, the backup running back. Um, I don't know if Fields or Komet or Darnell Mooney are, are even rosterable. I agree. I, are you not holding Fields if you have a spot? Like just... I don't know. I guess maybe in a two quarterback league. Yeah. In one quarterback league, I'm not. No. Right. All right. So I think Justin Fields got a hold of that sound bite and it just lit him on fire uh, from us. So uh, any anybody, any other players that need to, to get a hold of that? But <laughs> so yeah, Justin Fields wasn't droppable. And I think we were all kind of at the point where we were kind of done with the bears. Uh, that was kind of, like you said, I think week seven, Alex, uh, is that kind of where we landed on that? Yeah. Week eight was his like big breakout kind of, and it really wasn't a mega breakout, but it was more sustainable. And then it really wasn't until week nine that he had that 42 point week. So Jeez, golly. I, I, I said, drop him in a one quarterback league, just at draft season. You're not holding a quarterback. I was, I mean, I was, leading the charge in all my leagues to go pick him up in like week like six or seven when he started to kind of show something. But yeah, whenever you're drafting early in the season, it's really hard to to just hold someone until you kind of know what their offense is. So I stand by that. I mean, you're just kind of holding the roster spot with Justin Fields until we knew, right? I don't think we all thought he was going to do, do what he did. No, I remember specifically in our dynasty league, I had traded a first for him uh, in the off season. And I was under like, my, under my advisement, under your advisement. And I was like, what the heck? Which I and, also now uh, have him. Yeah. I was, I'm getting to that. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, but then the, the back end of the season rolled around and I was like, holy cow, this is playing out. And then I traded him uh, for the Madden cover of Josh Allen. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, and, and Braden kind of add on to this a little bit and then you can kind of take us into where we're at next, but yeah, the bears were, I mean, you didn't regret dropping really even any of those other guys that you mentioned, uh, Justin Fields was kind of the outlier there and, uh, really just, you, you couldn't really predict that if you, if you could have held on to him, great. It's kind of one of those guys that's boomer bust, uh, high, high upside, excuse me. So looking forward, I'm kind of maybe taking that a little bit more guys with rushing floor as opposed to, you know, uh, quarterbacks or maybe guys that if you're talking about running backs have pass catching ability or a wide receiver has red zone targets. Maybe those are kind of the equivalents to look at when you're again, looking for tiebreakers on who you're going to drop. Um, but you get to week seven, week eight, you're looking to make a roster change and, and find some sustainability. And Justin Fields just wasn't really offering that last year. 
I mean, it, at that point, whenever we were having that conversation, he had just finished his game with the Giants, I think. And so that was week four. And in the first four weeks of the season, he finished as QB 20, QB 27, QB 31, and QB 26. He had two passing touchdowns. Golly, his stat line is atrocious. But, you know, like, I don't know, we couldn't have, we couldn't have called it. You know, like, I think at that point, Mooney had gotten hurt maybe, or I don't know. But it just, there's no way to call it. You know, it's... And it's insane what he did. I mean, it seems like he came out of nowhere. But, you know, like, I think I'm trying to figure out how do we not get fooled again? Like, are there people, like, are there quarterbacks, year two quarterbacks this year who could fool us like Fields did? And so, like, Pickett, Ritter, Howell, Purdy, like, where are we at with those guys? I mean, I'm just trying to think. Week okay, so call it week six. Who am I looking at? And schedule plays a lot into this, probably too. But who am I looking at and thinking, man, they have totally stunk it up, but they still have potential. And I think I'm going back to my Sam Howe comment. I think that's who I probably, I I don't think any of these guys have Justin Fields esque capabilities, but uh. As I said earlier in the podcast, I'm rising on Sam Howell, and I could see a world where he starts a season off really slow. He hasn't started a game yet. Did he start one last season? Did he get? Did he get he a start? Started, in, he started, started the one, very yeah. week eighteen, right? Yeah. So, uh, but still getting his feet under him and really finding that offense. And I think that you know he's going to start getting some goal line touch touches touchdowns uh, as the season rolls on. So that might be one that I'm I'm looking at. So I probably if we're ranking him, I probably go how pick it are you serious Purdy ritter oh my word i, I okay i'm a, more on jonathan's side i think let me just say i also think that howell has the most upside because his junior year in college at north carolina he was a great rusher and he lost javante williams and michael carter he had kind of a rough senior season then last year he did look good rushing the ball i think he has a lot of upside because he can do that well i think purdy's awesome in the Shanahan system, I think he's going to be really good, but I don't think his upside is higher than, you know, some of these other guys. I think Ritter has a lot of rushing upside, I but I like just pick it in the offense. So I'd probably put him Howell upside based. Howell, Pickett, Purdy, Ritter. But I think Ritter has a lot of upside, but he has the lowest floor. It's like I, Ritter, like, I feel like I can, Ritter could be out of the league in two years kind of thing. Yeah, but like, he also could be the next Justin Fields. But it's and I like I think Purdy is the safest option here. I know Crow, you like Purdy. I think he's safest. I think Pickett is Purdy, but more talented and has more potential. We're but, all over Crow. So or, well, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear defense. Let's hear defense. Jonathan, Great. can you just can you bookmark this episode for? I was going to say episode next let's do year. It. Let's do <laughs> it. Let's we do are it. recording. This is your Kyle Pitts moment. Oh wait. This is my this is my Travis Etienne moment. This is my Chris Olave moment. You are not wrong on Travis Etienne. <laughs> he was awesome. Uh, uh so I will I will do the opposite. I will rank them and then I will explain. So I will rank them Purdy, Pickett, Howell Ritter. And I don't mind any of these guys later in Superflex drafts, especially with I mean, you can make an argument for any of them. Howell has a great offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy and great receiving weapons. 
Den- or Dennis Ritter, Desmond Ritter has. Uh, I don't even know his name. Dennis, no, Dennis <laughs> is not going to do well. I, his name is Dennis. <laughs> That's his fraternal twin or something. I don't know. Uh, Desmond <laughs> Desmond Ritter has three top 10 NFL draft picks that are either running the ball or catching the ball. And so I think that I think he's going to be fun to watch if he's competent, you know, but the thing with how and the thing with Ritter is both of these teams used their free agency money to bring in journeyman backup quarterbacks. They brought up Jacoby Brissett and they brought in Taylor Heineke and a team that is confident and their quarterback is not going to do that. So that's their, that's their knock for me. I, I think Pickett has the, like the draft capital that we stereotypically see have a tough first year and progress to the second year. I think that, I think if Pickett has 28 touchdowns throws for 3,900 yards, I think that's a good year, like 4,000 yards. And I think farm youth Deontay and, Pickens are all going to have <clears throat> pretty good years. Um, but I just, I got a thing for Brock Purdy, man, and I can't shake it. And like <laughs> Trey Lance, Can this tell is Victoria. <laughs> this There's is totally so many things wrong about gosh, this statement. We're totally going to have to replay this next year whenever I'm either really right or really wrong. But Braden, Braden thinks he's a Purdy boy. <laughs> oh but like, gosh. but like, I mean, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> Trey Lance was a top three pick and i get that draft capital is not everything but like they traded away like what those picks turned into versus trey lance it's just insane like bradley chubbs in it and tyree kills in it and it's just and jalen waddle yeah oh my word it's just it's absurd like and for shanahan who is a trusted coach like and john lynch is a trusted gm for them to like put all of their chips in on Purdy who has been hurt all off season and he's cleared. He's ready to go. Like, I just think there's something to that. And, you know, like I think Bijan's amazing. I think Drake London's amazing. I think Pitts is amazing, but like you hand any quarterback, the keys to a San Francisco system. Plus you give them Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. It's like, that's just going to be fun to see, man. And like, if, Purdy ends up like at the QB seven or eight. Like I'm not going to be floored by that. I would be floored if any of those other three guys finish that high. I, uh, Brent, I sent you a Instagram thing and I'll, I'll reference this or we can put it in the comments somewhere, but it was all of the stats that Brock Purdy was like first in and it was under pressure. Pretty much everything. Like when he was healthy under pressure, he was, the number one quarterback passer rating in almost every scenario. Wow. So I think he's more on the Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow category or lane from a fantasy quarterback perspective. Then we're talking like a Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson. Cause he, and I think Pickett's in that too. If Pickett does well, he's more in the Trevor Lawrence vein where it's like, he could, he, I mean, you got to throw for four, Justin Herbert, 4,500 yards, whatever. Um, so I don't hate that take. My take is just a little bit the rushing. I'll take the rushing side of Howell and Ritter a little bit, mostly Howell, um, but I could be very wrong because Purdy could Purdy and Pickett could put up just very good years, and we could be looking at them as very quality dynasty assets going forward. So I'm happy to eat crow on that later, all pun intended. But no, don't, don't do that. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> 
Well, I think that wraps up. Uh, I think we all uh, ate a little piece of speaking of eating humble pie, um, but hopefully some of those takes are forward and onward looking and we can use some of that to to really help our listeners and, and hopefully us because I know we're in a lot of leagues that we want to win too uh, moving forward. So that does it for this episode of the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't liked or subscribed to the podcast, don't leave. Don't exit out of your podcast app. Don't uh, get off Spotify until you do that. We really appreciate those and uh, tell your friends about us. So until next time, we're the Average Pros. See ya. Your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of it with the Average Pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.